Welcome back to episode four, uh, Splintering Back, a 12 Monkeys after show. Uh, well, we are four episodes in, and this show just seems to keep getting better and better. You know, last week I said that last week's episode was probably my favorite of the series, but this one is coming very close to to being the same way. I mean, these might be my favorite. I don't know if it's my favorite. Maybe it's because they're connected. Um, you know, it's it's it was maybe because it was purely like a Ramsey episode, which was just awesome. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, there were so many awesome things that happened. But, you know, let me just get into uh, some quick introductions and we'll just get, we're just going to tackle this episode. I'm your host, Pacing Pete. Um, alongside with me, as always, from the Marvel Report, from the Flash Podcast, and from Comic Book Resources, Miss Lauren Galloway. What's up, Lauren? Hey, this episode was awesome. I totally agree. Yeah, it was just so much fun. I mean, you know, last week we got to see, you know, uh, Cole and Cassie in the 40s. And, and this week was kind of, re- of a repeat of that. But, you know, let's just start things off with, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we have uh, Katarina who, you know, is desperate. You know, she needs to figure out a way to get back to Cole and Cassie so she can bring them back. You know, we talked about this last week, how... You know, we were wondering, we, we were even playing around with, oh, why can't it be Deacon? That would be a lot of fun. There would be a lot of different funny storylines to see him time travel. But, of course, it's it's Ramsey she sends back because, you know, that, I mean, I, I, he's obviously the obvious choice. But it's not an easy one because Katarina doesn't trust Ramsey at all. Uh, but she's forced to make this decision. Uh, Lauren, what did you think of this and, and how, you know, up to this point it's been, well, Ramsey, you're, you're, basically your days are numbered, your hours are numbered because you're going to die once you tell us everything you know. But now it's complete reverse. They need his help. They need him to go back and save Cassie and Cole. What did you think of that dynamic? I feel like Katarina, she just makes decisions based on what needs to happen in the moment. So before... You know, there was tension mounting between Deacon and Ramsey, and what needed to happen in that moment was Ramsey needed to go. He needed to die. Well, the moment has changed. There's this kind of, uh, what's the word, like, like terrorizing red forest phenomenon going outside, and the only person that she can send back to get them is either herself, because she had the injections, or Ramsey. And I think she knows that at this point, Ramsey isn't necessarily a threat. Like, she can't necessarily trust him, but at the same time, she trusts his relationship with Cole enough that Ramsey would bring him back. Yeah, and it's funny, too. I can't help but think that where they splinter him is on purpose because as soon as he gets there, he gets hit by a car. I mean, it's like immediate. It's not like he's wandering around and he makes a mistake. He gets hit by a car. Um, and I just thought that was kind of funny. I, I maybe I shouldn't laugh at that, but it was just it was almost like a slap in the face to to Ramsey when he when when she when she splintered him back. But I mean, I almost didn't think it didn't help too because as soon as that happens, he winds up right away in the hospital. Um, and he, when he wakes up, he's about it's it's a day from when everything happens because they splinter him back the day before the paradox happens. You know, there's still uh, Cass. That's that's actually the same day that Cassie arrives. Uh, at the hotel at the rendezvous point but what was really cool about this scene was when Cassie and Cole and, and you know we're kind of replaying this scene is when they meet up in the hotel a scene that we didn't talk about last week because it, it really didn't seem like it mattered too much was 
there was a moment when Cole got a phone call from somebody and, and apparently somebody who knew his phone number. Well, it seems that when Ramsey was in the hospital, he snuck away. He got to a phone, was able to call the hotel and ask for Cole by name. And and that's who was trying to call Cole at the moment. But we did see it wasn't, you know, just Ramsey getting cut off or someone stopping him. He actually hung up himself. Um, now, Lauren, did you think that was a result of the nurses and everyone kind of coming to him and realizing he shouldn't be where he was? Or did he purposely hang up? I think he got interrupted, for sure. And I love I love seeing that in time travel shows. Like, this whole episode was so incredible because it was, like, the mirror of, like, what Cassie and Cole were experiencing. Like, Ramsey was there with him the whole time. He was in the hospital, and then he got to the mental asylum. Like, he was, he was on their tail every second of the way. And I loved, I just, I loved seeing this episode so much for that reason. And it reminded me of, I know I've seen either a film or a TV show that had, that has used this kind of storytelling device before where you like see how there's like another influencer in the timeline. I can't for the life of me remember um, like what it's reminding me of, but I just thought that was so cool. Like, you know, you don't even think twice about who would try to call Cole in the past, but of course it was Ramsey. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Cause I remember when I saw that in last week's episode, I didn't, like I said, I really didn't think much of it. You know, it could have been maybe, I mean, maybe it was a messenger messing with them or something, or, or maybe it was somebody just like trying to stop whatever was going to happen. But, but seeing as the way episode, the last episode went, I didn't really think much of it. But, but like you said, I mean, that was really cool to see because it was, it was Ramsey the whole time. Um, and he was there with them the whole time, which was really cool. I mean, you know, we're just, we're watching their parallel storylines happen. Um, and then obviously we see them all eventually meet up um, at uh, in the middle of the show. But uh, but while that's going on in 2044, um, Katarina realize you know she goes to the daughters to speak with Jennifer. You know, and this is the first of two conversations she has with her in the show. Um, what did you think about their first interaction? Because Jennifer is you know the way she talks and how she can be very. Um, you know, she can, she can throw, she throws out riddles and, uh, you know, metaphors and, and she's, you know, Jennifer Goins is just not a straight shooter. Just, just never going to be, that's just not her character. And, and I actually really like her character for that, but I'm sure it's frustrating as hell for somebody like, uh, Katarina, who is just trying to get just simple answers from her. Uh, what did you think of that first exchange between them and how Katarina just ended up walking out? Yeah, I think Katarina was like, look, Jennifer, you brought me here. You know, you broke into my base. You're not going to tell me anything. I'm just going to go. Like, she she really has no time for any kind of bullshit or, like, being led on some kind of rabbit trail. So it was interesting that she decided to leave like that. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we see them talk a little uh, – talk uh, more um, uh, as the show moves on. But, you know, then we go back to 20 uh, – I mean, 1944 – and we see uh, that Ramsey is able to get out of uh, the hospital and make his way to the asylum to where Cole and Cassie are. And, you know, like I said, this is everything fun, exactly how the show went in the last episode. Uh, but he's obviously more involved this time. Um, now, I can't remember. I don't know if you remember, Lauren, but when he was sent back, he was only sent back to, to save Cassie and Cole, right? He wasn't there to stop the paradox. 
Do you know if that was if if they had mentioned that? I I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think Katarina knew anything about the paradox. I mean, Ramsey's only job was supposed to find Cassie and Cole, pick a location, and then put the ad in the newspaper. So at this point, Katarina, like I think she and her lab partner, they know that there have been anomalies because they were tracking all of, like those tachyon emissions. Like they know that something is going on, but they don't know why or where or any of that. I think until until everybody comes back and like you know they explain like what's going on with the primaries so i i think that his only job was to find them and place the ad so it's not like he was trying to like save the like what was his name thomas crawford crawford yeah yeah like he wasn't he wasn't sent back to stop that from happening he just had to find cassie and cole to bring them home yeah, and then we see Ramsey get into the asylum where he runs into the messenger girl who, you know, uh, we still don't know was alive from the last episode. But that might all not matter because he, sp- he splintered right before all that happened. Um, but what was interesting was uh, it almost for a moment seemed like Ramsey um, was almost – I couldn't tell if he was pulling a double cross or if he was trying to play, uh, play the girl because he was talking about um, – he mess he mentioned um the 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 does he say the messenger has spoken or or she said that but they're having a conversation and and she says you know she she doesn't want to she's not going to kill him because she knows that uh you know everything he's doing is pretty much for her son and she even mentions how you know she can't have a child or, or something to that effect and i i thought that was really interesting because i i i know that you know obviously he doesn't have an effect on what they're doing anymore, but it's almost like they're very naive to the fact that he could double cross them, um, which is what he's doing. But I, I, what did you think about how you know they very they even though they had him locked up, they kind of let their guard down in terms of not killing Ramsey or or just not making sure he wasn't a problem. Yeah, like. Like, for Olivia to run into Ramsey in the season opener and to say, Traveler, your circle is complete, you know, the witness has spoken, we have to kill you, that's one thing, because she has a very particular perspective about the witness, and, you know, she knew him when he was Ethan Secchi. But this young this young woman, this messenger, she was a baby when all of that was happening. She's never met him before, but she knows of his exploits and his journey. I mean, she says, like, Traveler, I've known about your your story and your love for your son my whole life. And I thought that was really powerful because, like, Ramsey's love for his son does really kind of shape the, the, the history of the world. And for her, for her to grow up her whole life being told about him and, like, the lengths that he would go to to protect his son, like – releasing the plague and ending the world because he loves his son so much. It was very kind of Shakespearean and kind of poetic. And like for her to have longing in her heart as a woman to want to be a mother and to want to love a child the way that he loves Sam and for her to know that she can experience that. I think like she had a moment with Ramsey where she was like, like I'm going to honor you and protect you right now and like not hurt you. Because, like, you have something that I've never had, which I thought was, like, a really cool moment for them to share. Well, what I liked about that, too, was, you know, ever since we've seen the messengers go back to 1944 or even when they went and briefly took over Katarina's uh, machine, you know, you always viewed them as, 
these uh, villainous guys or girls, guys and girls who, you know, you really didn't know how much humanity they had inside of them. Uh, they, they acted only on what their mission was. And beyond that, it's almost like they were very robotic. And that, com- to me, completely was taken away because they were given almost, well, this woman was given like a personality. Like you didn't see her necessarily as a robotic, a robotic character just carrying out a mission. She became a person in that moment. Um, and we see that, um, we see her growth uh, later on in the episode. But what, following that, you know, we have Katarina going back to uh, Jennifer uh, and and really trying to find out like what's going on and, and and trying to get answers from from Jennifer and you know when she goes back into her her uh, her camp Jennifer gives her this uh, she makes her this drink and she drinks it and Katarina drinks it and it's almost like she I'm trying to figure out how do we describe it um, it's it's like a, a something that transports her mind or her spirit to this to some to where Jennifer can explain to her like what's going on what did you think of of that scene and how Jennifer laid everything out for Katarina and told her this is what's going on that was incredible that might be one of my favorite scenes of the whole series because we as the audience are starting to get pieces of the red forest and the timeline and primaries and yet you know we're kind of like jones in that moment where we think we understand how time works but apparently we have no idea and that was kind of like jones experiencing that for the first time you know and in the episode you kind of see the red forest like getting bigger and getting crazier and it's like really stormy and it's really intense so you know that there is something happening that is very scary like almost worse than the plague in a way and it's not happening back in 2016 the way the plague was it's happening now in in katarina's time which I thought was a really interesting dynamic too, because for her, like the plague is something that had already happened, but like this is happening now. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to get my mind around what they were saying, but I think if I understood it correctly, like time is a human construct. Like, like time passes no matter like where you are in the universe, but like, like humanity, we've kind of created this idea of time to help us keep track of our day. Like, you know, we set 12 hours in a day or 24 hours in a day, you know, the whole idea of like a Roman calendar or like a Hebraic calendar, like, like we've kind of invented time in a way, but like, that's kind of what Jennifer was saying. Like as humanity evolved, like time evolved with it. And I, it's kind of like, she was saying that time has a conscience like time as a character like was that the impression that you were getting from that scene yeah it certainly seemed like it, it was um i like time is certainly plays a bigger part than this than than not just time travel um and i definitely got that when uh, she was saying that by killing a primary um it creates the paradox um and they in the primary scene important because they they help move time along um and and I think that's kind of what I got from what Jennifer was was saying when she was explaining um, everything to uh, to Katarina, and and you know, and, and then in in all that, it seemed like the twelve monkeys just want to uh, kill time. You know, I, you know, we've been trying to piece together 
what more they could be after, what what really is going on in this huge grand scheme of things. And, you know, you know, in the first season we had the whole virus thing going on. And it's so much more it's so much bigger than the virus. It's time um, itself. And I think that just it that's another example of them raising the stakes in the show because you add the element of trying to kill time and it's just that's just not you know it's not just trying to take out people at a specific time period that's just like all time i mean that just it's all time lines that you're going to be destroying um i don't know if that helps you if that helps at all but that's kind of what i was getting from their whole conversation yeah that is what it sounds like and like we've seen the image of that really creepy house before in season one kind of like being built and torn down like at the same time and that's kind of what it reminded me of like uh, like a life cycle like i know they use the analogy of like a flower like it's a seed it grows it blooms it dies like it has it has like a linear lifespan like humans we're born we live we die but like the whole idea that like the flower petals as they like decompose into the soil they nourish the seed that's going to grow like there is kind of like a life cycle to it but it's it feels like what they were saying is that it all happens at the same time the seed the petals the blossom the life the birth the death like it all happens at the same time which you can't nothing can exist in that kind of environment like where everything is living and everything is dying at the same time like that's like that's total chaos but if that's what the 12 monkeys are trying to achieve then that's really scary yeah it just kind of it, it i mean it's it's one thing i mean, well no i shouldn't say it. the the unleashing a virus you know and a, a plague upon a civilization is is just bad in itself but trying to just destroy time itself is just i mean that's that's um I, I mean, I don't even think Vandal Savage that. <laughs> no, I mean, Vandal Savage, you know, if any of our listeners watch Legends of Tomorrow, I mean, his goal is just to be a dictator. You know, it's just to rule over a world that's already established. This is like taking all the legs out from the table, which is time itself, which is really crazy and really high concept. And, you know, Terry and Travis, I, I feel like, I feel like they know what they're doing, and I'm excited to see where this is all going to go. You know, um, you know. Following that, we get to see Ramsey save uh, Cole and Cassie, um, and and do it in typical Ramsey fashion. You know, busting the door down and taking out the cops. Um, and and you know, he has like um, you know, Cole goes back to their room, and 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 Cassie and, and Ramsey have this kind of moment when uh, Ramsey's. Telling uh, Cassie a little bit about Cole's loyalty and how you know it—he really does look past you know your flaws. Uh, Cole does, and and he accepts you for who you are. And and he's trying to explain to Cassie, you know, just give him a chance again, because if this was the other way around, uh, he you know he would do the same for you. Uh, what did you think of that? whole exchange and how, um, you know, it might have put uh, a light bulb in, uh, in Cassie. Yeah, that was, I mean, like one thing I really liked about this episode too, is when Ramsey rescued them, 
<laughs> like when they were being interrogated in the hotel room and it was all like, you know, they thought they were Russian spies or something like relevant to the period. And like <laughs> Ramsey knocks on the door and he's like, NYPD. And you can tell Cole <laughs> recognizes his voice. I just, I love that. And I liked how they kind of brought the detective in on their little time travel secret. Um, especially the end when they were like, you're going to want to see this. And they like all splinter. Um, but yeah, I thought the conversation at the bar was, was really interesting like I like the fact that in the midst of a running around throughout time that these characters can at least take a minute to sit down and have a drink like I think I, I've mentioned this on other podcasts I've been on but like my favorite moment of, of last season of Arrow, Arrow season 3 was when Nissa Algol and Laurel Lance had a milkshake together like there's something just so natural about like stopping like all of the crazy kind of plot scenarios and just sitting down and like having a drink and having a conversation. Like, I think it's important to have moments like that, especially in shows like this. And so like for, for Ramsey and Cassie to like kind of level with each other, I thought was an important scene to have. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it shows how strong of a bond that, you know, Cole and Ramsey have, despite their differences, despite, you know, uh, forming this, this, this their truce um, at the moment, you know, their their bond runs deep, their friendship runs deep, um, especially with you know Ramsey vouching for Cole. Um, but you know, we get back to uh, we, you know, you talked about how they they splintered in front of the detective, which was pretty funny and cool to see. Um, you know, they get back to uh, Katarina, and they're all sitting around talking about doing the next thing, and they all kind of go off on each other. It's almost like. You know, they had those little moments leading up to to this scene where, you know, they were have you know, these calm moments where they're talking and everything's nice and good. But then they get right back to twenty forty four and it's not like necessarily everything nothing changed, but um they realize what's still at hand. You know, uh who to trust and who not to trust. You know, uh Cassie is is at one point telling uh Katarina, you know, you trust I can't believe you trusted him to go back to uh, to 1944, and and you know, then you have Ramsey like saying, "Well, why do you why you know are you you know are you serious? Basically, are you are you, you know why are you complaining about this?" And you know, and and it's just it's it's the whole trust thing. You know, there's still there's still not trust between Cole and Ramsey and and Katarina. You know, they're still all going at it, but it finally takes Cole to tell everyone shut up and just you know what realize you know what we need to bury what's in the past, otherwise we're not going to fix what's in the future. And I thought that was a good moment for Cole because, you know, even though he's not leading this mission, you know, it all started with him, uh, you know, going on this mission. And he still does realize what needs to happen in order for in order for them to fix what's going on. And I thought that was a really a really good moment for Cole because it's not something we've got to see, because, you know, whether it's it's Cassie and, and Cole having like the moment of, of you know, of guilt about Aaron or, you know, Deacon and, and Cole fighting or, you know, Ramsey and Cole kind of, you know, arguing with each other or then like, you know, getting along, you know, we really haven't seen Cole take on like a leadership type role, even though, and, and like I said, even though he's not like the leader, he definitely stepped up in that moment. I thought that was a really cool scene. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, Cole, albeit, has the most experience time traveling, mm -hmm. and he knows what works. He knows what doesn't. You know, he he spent a year in the past, like you know, between seasons. He spent like two or three or four months 
back in 1944 in you know the last episode so like he he's just experienced so much i mean he was our main character in season one i feel like this season is definitely more of an ensemble cast which is okay but he was he was our main guy last season and you know for him to step up and be like hey you know time is collapsing around us i think we can put our petty differences behind us to like save the world i think is an important thing for him to say and i hope we get to see him take more of a leadership role in next week's episode yeah that'll be very interesting and i like you said i hope that does carry over um now uh getting towards the end which was very interesting um, be- because you know we we see that uh during the episode we did see that the messenger did survive um, and escape uh, we trans we we go forward into the future in 1971 to be exact and that's where we see the messenger is on her deathbed and we see that she has a son and we don't see his face but we see the clothes he's wearing the the very big suit and he puts on a hat and she's basically telling him to carry on you know what they're doing and then we then from that scene we go to back to 2016 where we see Jennifer checking into a clinic and it's in that moment that we see the same um the same character aged and it was the same character we haven't seen since last season with the hat and the suit and everything now we know that he was a descendant of one of the messenger of that particular messenger what did you think of that connection and how it just kind of it it's it's a bit of a mind blowing moment because it makes you wonder if there's anything else like that going on, seeing as there's other messengers that got through and splintered back. Yes, that was fantastic. When when you know we saw the time jump to the seventies or late sixties, early seventies, and we saw her as like a mom, you know, and she had like the flowers around her. You know, I was thinking, wow, like did those petals just fall off the flowers that were in her room? It's like one of those chicken or the egg things. Like, did they kill people with the flowers because she died with the flowers around her? I, I don't know. I was just small details. But, yeah, I love that her son is that super creepy guy with the hat and the flowers. And it just makes so much sense that, you know, the people in 2016, 2015, that we saw in season one, like Olivia, like the guy with the flowers, you know, people that are really, that seem really connected to what the 12 Monkeys big plan is. It's, it makes sense that those people were raised in the tradition of the, the mythology of whatever they were trying to accomplish. Because you don't just wake up one morning and decide, oh yeah, I want to help this group destroy the world like you kind of have to be socialized into that almost like a cult-like kind of way you know where it's part of your family and it becomes like a huge part of like your purpose and your identity so it totally makes sense that that guy would be so willing to kill for the plague because he grew up his whole life by somebody who came from the future like she she was born in like, it's so crazy. Like, he was there when she was born. Like, isn't there a scene where he visits all the babies yeah, in well, season one? I think it was the, the season finale cliffhanger was the reveal of, of the 12 babies. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he was there. So, like, 
like he it's like so crazy like he could have held his mom and like gave her her bottle and like you know knew that she was you know he grew up on he grew up on stories of people from the future so like it was totally built into his whole mythos and like his whole identity i thought that was super clever you know they didn't even have to show us his face all we had to see was like the flowers and the hat and we knew exactly who he was (laughs) that was so cool yeah, I think you know even in that scene with the with the mom on on the on her deathbed. I mean, I I I just knew exactly. I knew right away who that was, and I was like, oh my god. I mean, like I said, that was very much a mind blowing moment because you're like, holy crap, this opens up so many possibilities. I mean, then you got to wonder, okay, well, who's the father? And you know that she had to have. I mean, she could have roped him in somehow to make him believe stuff. I mean, where is he at? Um, you know, it, it just it just brings up so many possibilities as to um, how far the messengers and what they did splintering back, how far it reaches in time and, and, and over decades. Because we have, you know, we finally got a reveal of how that's connected with the man in the suit. You know, how much further does this stretch? I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I was going to say, Lauren... Um, even the last few, the last couple episodes have been very like lost ish to me. Um, you know, cause with lost, there was so many questions and so many things going on, so many things interconnected. And I feel like that's the same thing happening here with 12 monkeys and it's making, it's making it so exciting and, and so interesting to watch. Yes. That's such a good analogy. And that might even be the show that I was thinking about before. It actually, it's totally is what I was thinking about before. Thank you for that. In, Season six, I think it's the season six premiere of Lost, where John Locke is like running through the woods and he hurts his leg, and like out of nowhere, like um, the guy with the eyeliner. Oh my gosh, I know his real name. I don't know his character's <laughs> name. <laughs> I just rebinge Lost too, like a couple months ago. Um, anyway very handsome uh latino actor with a guy with the eyeliner he like shows up out of nowhere and is like john what are you doing here like i'm supposed to come like bandage you because you got injured and john locke is like how did you know that i was supposed to be here and he's like oh you told me you were going to be here like it's kind of like the scene with the phone call like like the like I think the episode of Lost that I'm thinking of like the episode plays out like it does normally but then a couple episodes later like John Locke is actually like out of time maybe it was season 5 it was the time travel like season but it's that same idea like these people are all interconnected and like the whole idea of in Lost like Charles Whitmore like Penny's dad like he was mm, really on yeah. the island and like he grew up on the island mm-hmm. but then somehow he was off and like they meet him like they meet his younger self when they go back in time that's 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 very much like what's happening with this messenger and her son i love that you brought up lost because there is a whole time travel arc within lost that just makes it so fascinating and i feel like yeah they're totally paying homage to that in this show this season yeah and it's it's just you know like like i keep saying you know the stakes of the show just keep going up and up and up and 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 i'm excited to see you know what more of the story they want to tell because there's so much that we've learned about these characters and about time travel and how, you know, it wasn't, it's not just the virus and it's, there's more to it than that. It's, it's, it's just time itself that has become such a valuable part of the sh- valuable and, and important part of the show. And it, it makes it so much more interesting. Um, it, it, 
each episode as it goes. So, oh man, like like I said, like it's that whole scene at the end with the messenger talking to her son on her deathbed. Like I said, mind blowing moment. Just so well done, and and they do such a good job of teasing who it is. Well, not even teasing, but revealing who it is, and and and. Get, I mean, it got me worked up because I was like, oh, my God, I know who that is. And then, you know, like I said, we tra- we, we fast forward to, to 2016 and we see Jennifer go through all um, all her stuff. And, and right outside the door is the same guy that we haven't seen since season one. Um, and, and, you know, it all connects from there. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of, of Jennifer going to the clinic to get help? Um, and and you know because is this the setup of is this the beginning of where when we first meet her when she's hot, when she's in um when she's in the asylum no i think this was her after she left the hotel oh and that's right okay okay yeah i think this is like her saying like she knows that it's a time thing like she knows that she can't completely like get her life back to normal but i think she was willing to say like I I need help with this problem and like I need therapy and medication and like all of that because she knows that she has a purpose like she knows she has to at least live to 2044 to save James' life. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think I was getting excited about everything interconnecting. I think I I think I wanted that to interconnect as well. <clears throat> um, but uh oh. But I'm 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 really interested to see how you know because right now she's going through all this stuff with with the voices and and you know how they're so much stronger in her head now but no she has a purpose you know the Jennifer in 2016 I'm really interested to see you know how she goes from there to 2044 it's going to be really fun to watch that transformation take place um, because she still is the way she is in 2044 um, she's just uh, she's she's definitely make maybe a, a lot more calm down as opposed to she is in 2016. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And I think that's one of the uh, characters that they did say they were, that was going to be fun to explore. <clears throat> um, so I, did you want to add anything else on Lauren about uh, tonight's really awesome episode? Yeah. I, I, I love the fact that most of this episode was Ramsey. And it reminded me a little bit of his episode last season where he was in the the prison in Japan and we got to see the passage of time with him and like how he became Ethan Secchi. Like, I love that the show is not afraid to give you an episode without all of its characters. Like Cassie and Cole were only in the last maybe 10 minutes. Like this really was a Ramsey episode and then a like a Jones episode. And I love that. I mean... It is kind of like lost in that way where sometimes you do want to pull back and just focus on one character. And I love the fact that he made the phone call and that he was at the asylum and that he had to come rescue them. You know, it's great to see Ramsey really kind of lead his own story and not be like a supporting character in an episode. And I love like the the costume department and how they styled him, because if you noticed, Ramsey was wearing a really short tie when he was at the bar, like when he unclipped his jacket and because I'm familiar with agent Carter and, you know, I'm a really big fan of um, their costume designer, Gigi Melton. Like we've asked her about the ties before. And apparently in wartime ties are really short because they're rationing fabric. 
So if you watch a period show and the guys have long ties, then you know that their customer may or may not really understand like the time period. And so the fact that like they got that little detail right just tells me like that they're really doing their homework on just the time periods that they're going to and how to be really true to the time. That's a good pickup. Um, I know I see this is why I like talking about this because I know you can nail little details like that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this is definitely a very Ramsey driven episode and it's always fun when you see a character just take the reins and, 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 and he's the driving force behind, um, uh, one show and, and, you know, we love Kirk Casavito, so we can't get enough of watching him. Um, but yeah, this episode was so much fun. Like I said, this show just keeps getting better every, every week. I'm excited to see what happens in season and I'm in episode five. Uh, it's going to be very interesting, especially with the reveal of who the man in the suit is as far as who's, who he's, how he's connected to the 12 monkeys. Um, and, and, and getting to explore, more of where the messengers are because you know one of the conversations they had towards the end of the episode was cole telling katarina you know what we're gonna find these other messengers you know it may seem difficult right now it may seem impossible like we can't find them anywhere but we're gonna figure out a way to do it um and that's that's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna get to see it's gonna be fun to see them in different time periods um just it's it's gonna be awesome as the show has been so far so uh, that is going to do it for our 12 Monkeys After Show talk today. We hope you enjoyed it. It's This show is just, like I said, getting better and better. We love it. We hope you guys are loving it. Um, Lauren, let everyone know where they can find you at. Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Lauren Galloway. You can also find my Marvel blog at The Marvel Report on Twitter and TheMarvelReport.com. I'm also on The Flash podcast, The Legends of Tomorrow podcast, and I also recap The Flash and Arrow for comic book resources. Awesome. You can find me at Pacing Pete. You can find us at Scene and Nerd on Twitter, Facebook. Go to the GWW.com. You'll be able to find all our content over there. Just look on our podcast. Uh, you'll find all our previous episodes there. Go to iTunes, subscribe, so you get this immediately following every new episode that comes out. We're here to guide you uh, through all every everything you got to digest that just happened. We're going to do our best to break it down for you. So we hope you enjoyed this so far. We're going to keep doing it again next week. Till next time, have a good night. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!